1: the governors of the land. They plot against him. They have this jealousy against him because he continues to pray. And um, again, they they, they come to him and says, you cannot be praying to your gods. King Darius has signed a written decree. But you know what? Daniel says, you know what? Even if it kills me, I'm going to pray. I wish that was our attitude today. Even if it kills me, I'm gonna to pray today before I go out. Even if even if it kills me before I go to bed tonight, I'm, I'm gonna to stop and give glory to God. But too, all too often, I'm afraid that Christians are gonna say, man, it would kill me if I prayed right now. Whole different attitude, whole different deal. Even if it kills me, I'm gonna pray. Sadly, prayer is often
0: seen as a last resort or even an inconvenience in many Christians' lives. You might utter a quick prayer when you're running late for work, asking that God would bless you with green lights, Or you'll spend some time on your knees when you're confronted with hard circumstances. But what would you do if prayer itself could bring persecution and hardship? As Pastor David asks us in today's message, if you were in Daniel's shoes, would you risk your life for the sake of your faith? Now, here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 3 as he continues his message, Visions for the Times and for the Future, part 1.
1: 25. He says, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I cannot assure you, I cannot assure you that you won't be burnt in the fire, but I can assure you, if you know Christ, he's gonna be with you right there in the midst of it. I can't assure you that that tomorrow's news is not going to be devastating to you or to a family member. But I can assure you that the God of all creation already knows tomorrow and he knows the day after and the day after and the day after that. And he promises to be with you wherever we end up and however we end up. And that's the thing that you and I, man, if we, if we don't glean anything else from the book of Daniel, understand that. That God has said, He'll never leave us, He'll never forsake us. I am with you always. Pulled him out, not even singed on the garment. Not a hair of their head was singed, nor their garments affected. That's verse 27. Neither was even the smell of the smoke or of the fire was on him. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, here it is again. Listen, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks against or anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. Their houses shall be made in heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And you would think at that point in time that Nebuchadnezzar, man, he would surrender his heart and life to, to the God of Israel but he still doesn't, he still doesn't. He sees, he has a mental understanding, he even acknowledges the greatness of God, but his heart isn't surrendered to him. And how many times in, in, in our life, in our culture, people will even acknowledge the reality of Christ. They'll, they'll acknowledge even the sacrifice of Christ and they have great head knowledge of the word of God, but they're missing the reality of God by about 18 inches from the head to the heart because they've never really surrendered their lives wholly and completely. This is the story I see of Nebuchadnezzar, but this is the story I think also, and I know that I hit it hard this last weekend, but this is the story I see of the Western church, that we are so comfortable In our Christianity, there's no pressure on us that we have become great head servants, but not fully and completely heart servants. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream and has another sign. This is the vision of verse 10. This is a vision in my head while on my bed. I was looking, behold, a tree in the midst of the garden. Great height, the tree grew, was strong, reached the heavens, seen to the ends of the earth. The leaves were lovely, fruit abundant. There was food on it. The beasts, the field, man, they found shade under it, the birds, it was just this awesome, awesome tree. Verse 13, I saw in the vision while on my bed that there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit, lest the beasts get out from, uh, get out from under it, and the trees from its branches. And so again, they, 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 they cut it down. Verse 16, let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision was by decree of the watchers, the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most high rule, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of dreams. That's the dream I had. Daniel, what does it mean? Daniel gave the interpretation down verse 20. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, all the lovely things, the abundance, the beasts, and everything, down to verse 22, that's you, O king. You've grown, you've become strong. Your, your greatness has grown, reaches to the heavens, your dominion to the end of the earth. The Babylonian Empire was so persuasive over that whole area of the world at that time. And as much as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down, saying, Chop it down, he says, Verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts in the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over you till you know, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. And as much as they gave the command to leave the stump and the root of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. And yet he didn't. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, in other words, about a year later, he's walking around the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke and he says, look at all this stuff I've done. What a great guy, what a great powerful guy I am. Verse 31, while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it's spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and they shall drive you. Your dwelling place is gonna be with the beast. You'll eat grass like the oxen seven times pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. And that very hour, the word was fulfilled. He was driven from men. He ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with dew uh, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. Okay, stop and imagine that word picture for a moment. This great and this mighty king who had everything at his disposal, everything, and he sees the greatness of his kingdom and in his pride, he's puffed up, he's boast up, hey, this is great Babylon. I built it for my royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. And God took it all away just like that. God raises up and God brings down. That's one of the things we've got to realize about anything and everything. you, you uh, you get a good word toward, man. Give glory to God. You know, something good comes along your way. Give glory to God. Something happens at at work, and you're you know praised or promoted. Give glory to God. And I I would suggest for you, if, if you're still in the workforce, and somebody said, man, that, that's a great job you did, or thank you. If you ever get one of those, I don't know what those are like. I never received any of those when I was working. But uh, if somebody really gives you kudos for something that you've done. Give glory to God right there, right there. Man, I praise God that he's enabled me to do it. I, 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 thank, I thank my Lord Jesus that, that I was able to say, whoa, whoa, no, no, don't get all religious. But you have already put the point that it's not me. It's my Lord. It's my Lord. Because as soon as you're raised up, you can be brought back down again. There's no doubt about that. But God might have brought you to a place and equipped you and empowered you in such a way that, again, man, he's placed you there to give glory and honor to his name. Beloved, that's why we live and have our being in order to bring glory to him. So our next heartbeat is there in order to give glory and praise to God. And It could stop at any moment, amen? Well, I gotta tell you what happens. At the end of the time, in verse 34, Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Again, at the same time, my reason returned to me, the glory of my kingdom, my honor, the splendor returned. My counselors, nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom. Excellence of management was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven. Uh, Again, and those who walk in pride, he's able to put down. He's able to put them down. Chapter five, we see his son, Belshazzar, not Belt-Shazzar, not not the name that Daniel was given. This is Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar. He's now having this big party. He, He learned one great thing from his dad. He learned pride. He's got this great ego. He's got this great pride. He's got all of his friends in there. They're just having this drunken time. He's got his concubines and his wives. They got everything in there. They're just drinking up like crazy again. And they took the, the, the vessels that his dad, that uh, again had been, that his dad had taken uh, as tribute money out of the temple uh, in Jerusalem. And they're using these vessels that had been sanctified, placed into holy Position to serve God, to serve him only. Now they're using these to drink from. And you know, again, the story there, the handwriting comes on the wall. Whenever I pray and want to know the Lord's will in my life, I never pray, Lord, just give me handwriting on the wall. Because that's a negative thing, okay? It is not a good thing to do. The handwriting on the wall came. And again, it spoke that uh, it was many, many tekel ufarsin. That's over in uh, verse 25. And this is the interpretation of each word. Dan, they, they finally called Daniel in. God has numbered your kingdom, Belshazzar, and it's finished. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and you've been found wanting. Perez your kingdom has been divided given to the Medes and the Persians and that right now the Medes and the Persians have been growing as an empire <laughs> And the Babylonians have already, historically, we know the Babylonians have already been fighting with them quite a bit. But together, the Medes and the Persians have been growing and growing. Well, here uh, Daniel says, uh, your kingdom has been given to the Medes and the Persians. And then verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command. They clothed Daniel with purple, put a chain of gold. I'm sure Daniel was going, you know, I, I don't need all this. They made this proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. He was honored in the midst of it, but that very night, verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, he was assassinated. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. So at that point in time, because there was no king at that point in time, Nebuchadnezzar, at this point in time, he's out of the scene. Belshazzar has been ruling now, so there's a time frame there. He's out of the scene, no king going on in Babylon. The Medes and the Persians already pressing against them. Now they come and they take over. Now in verse six, or chapter six, we see that God's blessing follows with. Daniel, even as the Persian Empire comes. In chapter 6, we find that Daniel gets promoted to be the head of the satraps, or the governors of the land. And because of that, all the governors of the land, they plot against him. They have this jealousy against him because he continues to pray. And um, again, they, they, they come to him and says, you cannot be praying to your gods. King Darius has signed a written decree. But you know what? Daniel says, you know what? Even if it kills me, I'm I'm going to pray. I wish that was our attitude today. Even if it kills me, I'm going to pray today before I go out. Even if, even if it kills me before I go to bed tonight, I'm, I'm going to stop and give glory to God. But too, all too often, I'm afraid that Christians, man, it would kill me if I prayed right now. Whole different attitude, whole different deal. Even if it kills me, I'm going to pray. He prayed. They saw him and said, hey, you know what? Uh, we're gonna, you're going to be cast into the lion's den. But I love what he says here. Uh, Down in verse 16, the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, hey, Daniel, as he's looking over into the den, he says, your God whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you. Then the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring, the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might be changed. Now the king went to his palace, and he spent the night, what? Fasting with no musicians. He didn't sleep through the night. Why? Because Darius... because he was the king, he had made that decree, he was tricked into it. He could not change that. Again, the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So he was forced into that situation. It's not unlike today in our culture. Laws have been passed and probably even deeper laws will be passed that are against your faith that are against you standing for what you believe in. Rather, you're a baker and you make wedding cakes and you don't want to make one for a homosexual company and our nation now comes with a law that says, hey, because you didn't do that, we're going to literally take your company from you and they're not the only one. There's There's been several over the last few years that we've seen this. We've seen individuals getting fired from jobs because they dared Uh, again, stand for righteousness. I'm not going to, though I am the justice of the peace, I'm not gonna marry a homosexual couple. Okay, then boom, you are fired from that job. What is going on here, again, the same thing. The law had been made. Sorry, Daniel, I cannot change the law. We're gonna put you in the lion's den. But Darius even says, but I know your God is going to save you. He fasts all night. He doesn't sleep all night. The next morning, he rose very early in the morning. Verse 20, when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? If I, if I was Daniel, I'd be quiet for a little bit. Okay? <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel. No, but Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel. He shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, before God. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury, whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. And they cast them. Now it's not that the lions had been fed before Daniel got there because as soon as they threw them, not only them, but their children and their wives, that the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces even before they hit the bottom of the den. So in other words, as they're going down the rocks, going down into this thing, the lions are jumping up and grabbing them. And so these lions were very hungry. They, they had been held back by God from, from having dinner that night. And now God says, okay, it's dinner time. And so boom, they're, they're at it. So then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? And so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So through Nebuchadnezzar, through Belshazzar, Through, uh, again, uh, Darius and through Cyrus, Daniel prospered. Why? Because he was uncompromised in his life and because he knew the consequences of taking that stand and he was willing to face those consequences. Beloved, for you and I, should the Lord tarry, the consequences of you and I Living our lives 100% for the Lord Jesus Christ in this world, I believe that it's going to get harder and harder. The push is going to get stronger and stronger. Where we stand, as we stand, and give glory to God in the midst of it, willing to face. If I go to jail, I go to jail. If, you know, they take the uh, tax donation thing away from the church, they take the tax donation thing away from the church. Whatever it might be, however bad it gets before the Lord comes or takes me home. My concern is for the next 20 years, if we've gone this far since about the 1960s, so that's uh, almost 60 years now, I think the next 20, 30, should the Lord tarry 40 years, we are already a post-Christian nation. We've got generations of kids that have absolutely no idea even of Bible stories, much less the truth of Bible doctrine and theology in their lives. We've got children, we've got young people, we've got young adults who have never opened this word have never darkened the doors of any church or listened to any kind of a Christian program at all, and they scoff at you. They, 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 they know that you're an absolute fool. Now I'm getting into my resurrection service <laughs> message because as servants of Christ, we are nobody's fool. We're true to the one and living God. Again, as the word says, It's the fool that said in his heart that there is no God. You and I, as we stand fast, as we stand firm in what we know to be the overwhelming, proved over and over again, truth of the word of God. The world changes, beloved, but this word never changes. And our God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless his name, amen.
0: Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series. And we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for It. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you.
1: Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page,
0: See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.